Rugby World Cup Podcast. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Raw Rugby Podcast from the World Cup uh, or Doomcast. Today, Christy Doran, the rugby editor of the Raw. What did you make of that last night? I'll tell you what, it's less than 24 hours since that deflating result, 40 to 6 to Wales. The Australia's World Cup campaign all but over with a, a game to spare. A sombre state of affairs, isn't it? It was really flat. You could see the dispirited faces of the Wallabies walk past, some trying to uh, scavenge behind particular um, maskings and ad- advertisements uh, throughout the mix zone. Other ones like Will's, um, like Taniela Tupo uh, wasn't approached, but he kind of walked through the media zone himself. I've never looked any- I've seen anyone look that sad. He was just like staring down at the floor. It was an actual... Just a picture of misery, wasn't he? I know. I know. Before we started this conversation, that you said we had to keep it upbeat and not get too wallowing in the depths, and here we are, right away. We got to speak to a handful of the Wallabies come through, and, and this is a, a privileged position we have, but it's also a difficult one because you can see the emotion on players' faces, how despondent they are. Guys like Carter Gordon, Ben Donaldson, fronting up 22, 24-year-olds. Um, Andrew Kellaway is just played his first World Cup match, gets replaced midway through the second half, answering some tough questions, some choice language from Richie Arnold about what went wrong. Bloody everything went wrong and he might have used a slight more expletive than that. Uh, it was a terribly deflating day. Uh, there's, there is Everyone is under the microscope from Eddie Jones to Hamish McLennan. We'll get to that in a moment. I, I've spoken to Hamish since... Uh, spoke to Eddie Jones throughout his press conference, which was quite dramatic itself. Uh, lots of questions facing uh, his future. Where is his future? Is it in Australia? Is it in the land of the rising sun? Uh, is it still on rugby? So we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, so I had one highlight, and that was standing next to you while you're saying the national anthem. People might not <laughs> understand this, but Christy has a very operatic voice and he he even blew away some of the Welsh uh, reporters near near us. I think he was the probably the loudest and, and greatest Australian voice in the audience. Um, after that, the game kind of went downhill very fast. We did stabilise for a while, but then from the start of the second half, it just absolutely fell away. Of course, Brett and um, Harry and Jim Tucker um, had a crack at the game. They nailed it, I thought. Uh, yeah, in many, instant reaction. Yeah, in many aspects, I thought they nailed it. And 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 now it's not necessarily about breaking down the game. It's probably yeah. giving a few insights uh, since. But yeah, well, straight after the game, we went into the press conference, and Eddie Jones um, and I, I basically asked him the first question after a, a quick statement that he gave, and that was regarding the story around whether he had done an interview uh, for with Japan Rugby in terms of their vacant head coaching position and. Eddie's, Eddie's response was, I don't know what you're talking about, mate, which init- which immediately is not a denial of the, the story. And it's just kind of fits in with how he's been lately. But this, um, I think this kind of attitude and the attitude he took throughout the press conference, if we also look at him previous in the campaign, I remember down at Parramatta Stadium where the media manager tried to shut him down at one stage and he was like, fire away, boys, just keep the questions coming. And to, to last night, you know, the night where it all comes crashing down for him and he's threatening to walk out of a press conference. Um, but firstly, Christy, what do you make of this Japan situation? And, you know, is it 
What, what is it a matter of concern? Where do you kind of see, you know, what, what's your take on what's happening here? First of all, he was asked probably three times around had he, firstly, had he done the interview? Secondly, what's his commitment? He said, I'm committed to Australia. Um, he, he went on to say that I'm committed to Australia a third time when he was pressed and probed by Tom Deason, who, who, who broke the story, uh, or at least from his point of view, that he, that he held an interview with the JRFU uh, just two weeks before the Wallabies campaign got underway. It, it, he was later, uh, Dave Parecki was asked, you know, what was the psychological impact? Uh, and it was that point in time after Dave responded by saying, look, we don't really know what you guys are on about. Um, uh, it didn't, you know, we were on the field, didn't take away from the performance. Um, that Eddie interjected and said, uh, what was his exact ter- terminology regarding the he, he said, "I took take umbridge." With, yes, he took umbridge. Yeah, yeah with with with, yeah. with the line of questioning yeah. here, and in th- at that point in time, he he, he said, "Look, unless you're going to change your tune, I'll excuse myself." Cor- yeah. Correct. Yeah. Look, I actually don't have that much of an issue with with uh, Eddie Jones speaking to other unions. Um, we don't necessarily. There's so many unknowns at the moment, and. It seems like he did have some form of conversation. Whether or not he, he was, in fact, going for the job, whether or not he wanted the job, um, whether or not he thought he would need the job if he was to sack to all hypotheticals at the moment, something that Eddie Jones has told us in the past he doesn't deal with. Um, but it also is, is uh, this is a guy who's 63. Everyone's allowed to have options, I think. Uh, it is a poor look. It's a terrible look for a story like that to break on the eve <laughs> of the Wallabies' biggest game in four years uh, since the 2019 quarterfinal. And given the the dramatic um, soap opera, which it has been over the last few months particularly, uh, the Wallabies won and eight, uh, one and seven, uh, but one win from eight matches under Eddie Jones. That was a real stark and harsh and unfortunate story to break. I want to go into a couple of areas there. And one is Simon Raului from Fiji basically tweeting out that, um, you, you know, like every international coach would be out there exploring their options and, and lining up potential, you know, potential positions. I actually don't see an issue with someone who's got a job unless it's explicitly in their contract. And that's what we haven't really been able to establish. Um, you, you know, they have the right to see what's out there and to, you know, you and me and our careers as well are in the, the same same position there. The other the other point is around the timing because I've seen a lot, and Harry spoke about this on the instant reaction and kind of made mention of the the timing. And I know you and I have both spoken to people who are who felt that perhaps uh, it could have been handled differently that way. As a as a journalist, I I don't understand that line of thinking. I think that you have the story and you put the story out to make maximum impact, but you know. That's my kind of way of looking at it. What, what, how do you see it? Well, stories take times to um, source. And you have to be, if you're putting a story out like that, you have to be 100% uh, right on what you th- what you believe. And it's generally not just one source that tells you it's multiple. And at times you go back to various people to double check, to triple check. And it's not just your conversations with baristas that hand you <laughs> scoops. And, and, it's, and it's, you know, the JRFU... Uh, I, I can't imagine Tommy having too many sources in Japan, but it's it, it, that's not how journalism works. And uh, Rugby Australia was aware that a story like this was going to be uh, potentially dropping uh, 
two, three, four days in advance, conversations were being had. And these rumours were around for months and months. And and it's until you can back up a rumour that a journo will put something out there. And that's how I operate. And I presume that's how other media companies that are well-respected operate too. Just on Eddie, he came in, um, obviously, in a blaze of headlines and, you know, and goodwill and people wanting to see him do well on his return. Um you would have to say there's a bit of a toxic relationship now with fans. Um, we saw a lot of those fans streaming out of the venue after, you know, 10 minutes to go, 15 minutes to go last night. And from all reports, you know, they were getting hammered. Anyone in a gold jersey was just getting taunted and, you know, um, slammed in the, the centre of Leon before the game was full of red. And, um, you know, so after the game, I think there was a lot of red jerseys on one side, a lot of red faces on the other. Um with Eddie, you know, what's the – is it tenable? Can he continue to go on? Has he lost the faith of the Australian rugby public? And is it the right thing, you know, for us to part ways or for him to part ways with Australian rugby right now? It's funny. I think Australian sport lovers have very um, short memories. You know, it's almost goldfish at times because it, it, 2017 or 2017, 2018, 2019, right the way through Michael Checker's kind of probably second half of his his five year tenure at the Wallabies, it was we've got to sack him, we've got to sack him. But then a win comes, and then people quickly do turn and change. I I was also describing that that you know it was quite dramatic the red in the stands, and yes, there were pockets of gold which were lovely to see. I thought it was a great rendition of the anthem. You could actually hear Australians singing the national anthem for a refreshing change. But it was like a sea of blood out there on the field at the end. The, the Wallabies were so downcast, and it was over by fifty minutes that it was it was such a sombre state of affairs. Eddie Jones was covering his mouth; he could have been covering his eyes. Um, He's been in the job for, for 10 months. His record this year is terrible. Uh, but Australian rugby's record over the last eight years is terrible. And, in fact, everyone will point back to, hang on, we were World Cup finalists in 2015. But you know what? The, the actual reality is we probably should have been out in the quarterfinals. Was it for not for an incorrect decision by uh, the referee there in, against Scotland? Bernard Foley doesn't get the opportunity to step up to slot a penalty for Australia to go through. So we should have been, and I say we, Australia should have been out in the quarterfinals in both 2015, 2019, and and and, and now they're not going to make the quarterfinals this year. This is a, a, a more than just an Eddie Jones issue. It's a, it is, I think, a systemic issue in Australian sport. Do we say that Robbie Deans, do we say that Dave Rooney, do we say that Michael Checky, Ewan McKenzie can't coach? Because none of them have been able to get the Wallabies back to what they were in 1999, which was a really brief period in time where Australian rugby had huge success uh, in between a failed failed campaign in 1995 and then obviously a, a nice little window for a couple of years early before that. I think that Eddie Jones did not think that Australia could win um, with the previous generation. He wanted to make change. He went and made bold change and and, and probably thought in a similar lens we don't have the coaches because we've seen the Super Rugby team struggle for so, so long. We don't have both the coaches and the players um, at the moment that can lead this this Wallaby side deep into this competition. I have to be daring. I have to do something radical and, and maybe it will come off. And I'm, of course it didn't in the most brutal way. Not a single decision really Eddie Jones has made this year has paid off. 
However, I would keep him in charge. Look, does he? You'd keep him in charge. But do, do you feel that he wants to stay? Like I, I, you know, you spoke earlier about how he said he was committed to the Wallabies. And then he was asked, does that mean in 2024? And he repeated, I'm committed to the Wallabies. So he couldn't even be straight about that. This is the issue I've got with him at the moment as to trying to get a, a gauge on whether, whether there's some, like, interplay going on here between the board and Eddie and he wants to be pushed out and it's kind of a this is really an exit negotiation that we're in the middle of now. Do you get that feeling or do you feel that there's genuine desire on both sides for him to coach the Wallabies in 2024? I think there's genuine desire from the Rugby Australia board um, and that's not just the chairman, uh, not just the CEO. Uh, I think that that is throughout. Um, the states might have a different issue, particularly Queensland. There's there's animosity in the states from both the Brumbies, uh, ACT, as well as Queensland regarding RA's um, plan and move towards centralisation. Uh, I, I think Eddie Jones, the RA can't afford to pay Eddie Jones out, that's for sure, because that's a five-year, $5 million kind of contract. They, they wouldn't be able to pay him out. If if Eddie was offered another role, I'm sure they'd be able to be mutually, you know, take that off the books, sweet as it's all good, play on. But I, I think that Eddie would have had that as a backup plan, knowing that it is highly likely, having been sacked in 2005 himself, that his, his wife, um, child, lives in, in Japan. Um, it's not a bad fallback option. And... Uh, as Simon said, there's barely a coach that wouldn't have a backup plan at the end of a World Cup campaign. You mentioned Rugby Australia chairman there. You've spoken to Hamish McLennan today and the story will be up, site, up on site at theraw.com.au along with uh, your piece on Eddie Jones. Um, what was, uh, you, you know, what was his kind of take on this and, and the questions you put to him? Well... He's of course extremely disappointed. I don't think anyone could have seen that. And even even though I don't think the Wallabies would have won the World Cup with Dave Brennan in charge, I think they would have been much more likely to make a quarterfinal than it has turned out that Australia uh, is not going to. But look, Hamish is backing him, and and the and and people will go, well, hang on, like of course he's going to. He's the bloke who parachuted him in there. But uh, Hamish also knows. Uh, and knew and has been saying for for months, if not years, that there needs to be structural change. There needs to be moved towards centralisation, greater alignment. Um, and, and clearly, he had even even pushed this out before the World Cup campaign had started, with Rugby Australia releasing uh, that that all five states were in support. Uh, wanted to see more detail but we're in support of more alignment. I think that he is extremely disappointed. Obviously, it's not turned out how, how he would want. Um, he said one great line, like, and, and you made mention of the, the fans that were leaving, and I asked him, well, you know, you saw those fans. What was your reaction at full time having witnessed that? And he said, I thought, how did Mighty Australian Rugby get to this from 2003? I feel so sad the amazing loyal Wallaby fans, that, you know, that's not going to make it good for those that have spent $10,000, $15,000 to come over here. Um, it might actually make anger some people even more. You know, like on the raw comment section, we're getting a lot of people saying that he should go and he should walk now. Um, you know, what 
is that is that legitimate? Do you think he his position is in doubt here as well? Well, he's he 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 wants to stay until twenty twenty seven. He's mm-hmm. always said that there needs to be uh, you know that RA in Australian rugby union has suffered from short term fixing and needs to come together and, and implement reform. Um, there is a risk that the the states uh, rally together and, and try to overthrow a call an emergency um, meeting, and and that's possible with this federated model. That that is that is possible. It, I, I would not be surprised that in the next few weeks that there's not a, a coup, so to speak. So if we go down the um, path of a new coach, should that happen, I just want you to throw me a couple of candidates. Who, what names would you think come into that equation? I think the the most obvious choice is is Dan McKellar. Mm-hmm. Um, at, uh, he's just gone to Leicester. He was probably an heir apparent before uh, Eddie Jones kind of came back in, and and he quickly was offered, ironically, Steve Borthwick's old job at at uh, at Leicester. It's a big, big club, and he's a guy that is still relatively young in his coaching experience, but he's very mature as well. I think he's the leading candidate. But there would was, his contractual situation be an issue? I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. Uh, Stephen Larkham is a guy that's been an heir apparent at times. Eddie Jones has spoken about him recently over the last six to nine months. We know that Michael Checker spoke about him in, in 2018 too, and then he was shafted you know, less than 12 months later. S- Stephen uh, had a, a reasonable year. The Brumbies uh, had a, another semi-final appearance, um, but. Elsewhere, it's it's few and far between. Like Simon Rowley's had a, a good crack now. He played for Manly. He's he's coached. He's played over overseas. Uh, he was an assistant coach with the Wallabies in 2019, and he's managed to turn Fiji around. Uh, after he's a fantastic in. communicator as well, and, and a and, lovely person. Yeah, and and but in a completely different mold to Eddie Jones. Like he speaks. Um, I'm not saying Eddie doesn't speak intelligently. He, he does. But, but in a way that doesn't incite. No. You know, he's not an inciting person of, of, you know, of different different passions like this. He could be a candidate that helps mend a team that that you know that is has fallen apart. Well, he's managed to do it with Fiji. Correct. You know, they yeah. were struggling with Vern Cotter there, who was previously with Scotland. Um, I think, you know. Probably a slightly left field option. Some of the people going, hang on, isn't he retiring? Laurie, Laurie Fisher, Lord Laurie Fisher, would be someone that if you want a two year patch up job and go, you know, what I need someone who, who, who understands rugby, understands people, um, understands the essential to do the basics well. Um, I'm good with Laurie if he continues uh, tweeting out his truth bombs. <laughs> we can't do without those. He's. I, I think some we. Shane Rugby can't afford to lose Laurie Fisher um, because he's refreshingly honest and he's a person that understands rugby. Andy Friend is back in the Australian rugby landscape. If he was to be offered, I'm sure he would strongly consider it. Uh, I saw Andy just a couple of days ago as well as did a story with him a week ago. A guy that uh, is very big about culture, has done well at Connacht, um, has struggled though in Australian rugby and it's only two times he's been let go out of a job has been at the Brumbies and at the Sevens program. So they're probably four or five guys. I, I can't imagine that with the current administration that the RA board would look overseas um, for an appointment. Um, but there's a lot of assistant coaches from Matt Taylor to 
Um, Peter Hewitt's been doing some some uh, uh, up at Rico, but there isn't the um, and, and of course Michael Checker is another option as well. He's he's going to be probably free at this end of the World Cup. It'd be probably too soon to return to someone like <laughs> him, um, but. There's not enough head coaches in the Australian rugby ecosystem and that's both at home and abroad and it's so crucial that more is done to allow for more coaching opportunities. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up there. We've got um, Harry and Brett back with the regular pod tomorrow with a uh, special guest. Um, Thanks for joining us on this uh, World Cup special as we kind of look through the fallout from that, you know, walloping by Wales. Um, Just one before we go. We face Wales in a three-test series mid-2024. Is Eddie Jones our coach? Great question. Wow, crystal ball time. I will say he is. I'll say he is, and that's not with a great amount of certainty about that. But I think that a person like him, 63-year-old, has still got a lot to give and it would be a shame to lose him to Australian rugby, I think, having achieved so much over the last 10 years and perhaps it's crumbled recently, but he's still got a lot more to give. I know there are about uh, a dozen raw readers who are currently groaning as they listen to that because they think we're obsessed with A dozen? With There'll be more. Yeah, no, but, yeah, like there'll be more concern that he's coach. There'll be about a dozen who'll be just absolutely apoplectic that uh, we'll just be writing Eddie after Eddie after Eddie's story. Well, I think it was Hamish McLennan who said just the other couple of days ago, well, don't watch it then. (laughs) I'll see you soon. See you very soon. Enjoy your World Cup, what's left of it.